Hey guys, just before we get into it, we would like to acknowledge our podcast partners in Beyond Blue. If you're feeling low, anxious, or need to talk to someone, please contact the people at Beyond Blue. Their phone number is 1300 224 636. You can visit them on the website as well at www.beyondblue.org.au forward slash get support. Enjoy the episode. Thanks, guys. AFL podcast. I'm your host, John Van Norden, and here back with me, the man with the leg, Sean Lewis. Sean, how's the leg going, mate? Going well, Johnny boy. Uh, it's nice to be back. It's nice to be podcasting again. Um, I'm still on the mend at the moment. Um, week, almost at week six um, since the broken leg. So it's been a while since we podcasted. Um, bits happened in Melbourne since then. and um, But yeah, how are you, mate? I'm going fine. Like I, I mean, we'll jump straight into the mental health minute if you want. Um, for me, I like I had. I'm probably finding it harder. I think everyone's finding it a little bit harder at the moment than um, than the first time around. I think I, I'm going well just because things are going reasonably well at work, um, and I've got reasonable balance um, in my life. Uh, I would love to be able to go outside more. Uh, I think I was saying that to you last week that I just wasn't in routine um, and the lack of the routine that I had, which was going for a, a walk for an hour every single lunch and then exercising with my wife after work, I was having to pick one of those with the with the restrictions on only being out for one hour. So um, I've got a bit more balance back now and I've just gone half an hour of each um, and, and it seems to be working for me, but yeah, I'm, I'm going okay. How you doing, mate? Yeah, look, everything's going well for me, um, relative, I guess. Um, yeah, on the mend. Um, had a little setback this week, just with a little bit of an infection down there. Um, just with one of the down stitches, there, just with one of the stitches on the on the. Ah, oh, down there on the leg, yeah. not just an infection down there. Yeah, yeah, you know how it goes. Um, yeah. So yeah, so just yeah, just got a, a little bit of an infection, but on some antibiotics, and it's starting to clean itself up. So you know, should be over that pretty quickly. Um, looking forward to being able to weight bear next week. Uh, so that's a big positive. Otherwise, you know, works really good. Uh, you know, very privileged and very lucky at the moment to not only have a job, but also to be uh, in a job which is, you know, we're very busy and um, and uh, I really enjoy it at the moment. Um, I'm enjoying. Uh, frustrating part is I can't go to my job sites um, being in yeah. the room boot, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying the the work that I'm doing. Um, and then on top of that, I've, I've obviously got a wonderful little family here and getting to spend a, a lot more time with my daughter uh, and wife, which is really good. And, and yeah, and we're, we're surviving lockdown pretty well. So, you know, from, yeah, not, not a lot to complain about. And it's, you know, it's always for me, it's about being, uh, being grateful for what we've got. Um, and, and yeah, it's very much very grateful for, for the, uh, for what I have at the moment. And, and um, yeah, just, focusing on getting better, getting um, back to normal as quickly as I can. And hopefully the world that we're in gets back to normal. Um, you know, it's nice to see, obviously, since our last podcast, Melbourne's uh, back into stage three uh, lockdown happened just after we had our last podcast because I, oh, yeah. I broke my leg on the actual day we went back into stage three. 
Yeah, wow. Um, and now we're in stage four, and we're probably here for about another month by the sounds of it. And then, uh, yeah. you know, pretty pretty much as uh, as one of my mates from work said, you know, I will have uh, broken my leg and, and pretty much recovered by the time we get out of lockdown. Um, so, you know, hasn't happened at the worst of times. It's still quite an inconvenience, but... Yeah, plenty, um, plenty to appreciate there, and um, you know, just hope all the other Melburnians and, and anyone listening to the podcast and the AFL people who listen to the podcast, hopefully everyone's doing well. Whether you're in a hub or back home in Melbourne and, and looking after yourself, and you know, uh, our great sponsors, uh, our great supporters in, in Beyond Blue are always there to help, as well as Lifeline and um, plenty other. Um, of support services out there and it was actually really good to see the um the state government and the the federal government um put a bit more money into mental health services recently because we're certainly going to need it so yeah well they said that they saw that they've been pretty inadequately prepared for something like this and um you're right it's there's there's little tiny little blessings which are things like that get the gets a bit more support um, and, and hopefully that support can be long-term um, and they can improve things for the long-term, not just to deal with just the shock. But yeah, uh, I tend to agree. We just got to, you got to look for those little silver linings and, and if you do need support, just reach out. Um, just before we jump into the bulk of the episode, cause we are going to get into our list reviews, mate. Um, what's, what's your sort of feeling on the, on the ladder at the moment? I'm looking at the, the top eight right now. Um, I think that the ones that we, have we been there was um, Geelong, West Coast, uh, Richmond, Collingwood, and the GWS. As we had those five clubs, um, probably Richmond, Collingwood, um, expected those two clubs to be higher. Um, but I'd say that the lack of games at the MCG is starting to hurt those two. Um, and we thought the Brisbane Lions might slip a bit more, but the probably nine home games that they've had... Um, and, so far, and not of, leaving their state really. Yeah, exactly. They, they, they've definitely benefited, and um, we talked up um, you especially uh, Port as a as a real chance for the. I think we had them positioned at eighth when we did our um, our ladder um, our ladder estimations, um, yeah. and they're yeah, sitting sitting pretty in first at the moment with a healthy percentage. Yeah, I think it's probably fair. We could just about everyone could tear up their ladder predictions given the. The fact that a lot of teams yeah. have lost their home advantage um, and, and some have gained a significant one. Um, I still think, yeah, like Port's list to me is overperforming, um, but they're also very healthy at the moment. Um, like you have a look at the players who aren't in their side at the moment and, you know, a lot of them are getting games at other clubs, um, you know, which is a really positive sign and they've still got Burton and stuff to come back in and, um, they just they just seem to be playing with purpose. Um, yeah. So yeah, without without obviously discrediting them, I do think they're probably outperforming um, where we certainly had them, and and probably you know they're you know, a bit like yeah, like every club every, every, every there's a club every year who who outperforms I guess their their list, and I think they're one of them. Um, yep. That said, I, I still, yeah, what an amazing performance. Um, it, it's also hard with the ladder at the moment because there are clubs that have played more games than others. So, like, I'm yeah. looking I'm looking here at West Coast, um, who are fourth. They could, you know, easily be... Um, second. Second, yeah. Um, they've Good got win, yeah. Uh, 2% behind Brisbane and a game in hand. 
you at GWS who are sitting in eighth, um, uh, who could easily be, you know, equal uh, third with a game yep. in hand. Uh, slightly worse percentage, so they're probably gonna they'd probably be equal with St Kilda or just behind them sitting in sixth. So, you know, yeah, but it, you're right. It's a bit it's a bit hard to get a good read. I think probably the, you know, looking. We kind of thought Adelaide would, would fall, which we'll talk about in this one. Sydney um, and probably North Melbourne. I mean, I always try to avoid talking, you know, North a lot because I, I do have a bit of a bias against them, a bit like yourself with Essendon. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I, I probably saw North's list um, not here, not 16th, but certainly in the bottom end. Um, uh, but they've obviously been decimated by injuries, Um and injuries to critical people like Cunnington, um, which just really, really kills them, um, you know. But the Gold Coast Suns have been a, a great surprise packet. Um, really enjoyed watching them. Um, Carlton been up and down, um, you know, but as we kind of... Car- think- Carlton have been okay. I've, I've enjoyed watching Carlton this year. I think that if you're a Carlton or a Suns fan, you're probably reasonably happy with the shape of your footy club. Um, and just looking forward to next year. Um, I think there's a lot when, of Carlton supporters who'd be, who would have been hoping finals this year, to be honest. Um, whether yeah, you think that's realistic c- or not. But. No, no games in Victoria. Kerno down early in the season. Um, sort of all throughout big big roadblocks for me. Um, but look, I think that the, those clubs, um, the clubs really that have gone to the draft over the last couple of years, Frio, um, their, their draft pick's starting to shine. Um, we're all on the way back up. It feels um, yep. the Western Bulldogs. We said probably overperformed um, towards the end of last year, and they just played similarly shaky football this year. Um, they're, st- they're still they're young, missing some key structures. They are. They're just young. Yep, I, I'm with you there. Um, and we we had both Essendon and Hawthorne, I think, sitting outside the eight as well. So yeah. Not, we had, not we had, too many surprises there. But we had, I mean, I think we had, um, you know, Port, Melbourne, Essendon, Hawks, um, possibly North as well. I think we had those guys as the, you know, throw a blanket over and raffle up and see where they land. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I think Brisbane might have even been in there as well um, in that group. Uh, St Kilda, St Kilda are probably one of the more impressive stories uh, from this year. I've been quite. Um, quite really enjoyed watching St Kilda play they play a good brand of footy um, I think they're still one class midfielder short of being a real dangerous threat but you know if Hanabry can get back for finals he can be that player in form um, and they can they can you know shake some things up um, but they've got a few critical clashes coming up I think they've got Essendon up next and um, I can't remember have they played the Bulldogs I feel like they're the sides uh, they need to beat. They might yeah, have they're definitely the, the sides. Dogs. They may have. Um, there's so. just been a couple of like. There's only been a couple of games where it's happened, but St Kilda were mauled by Geelong and Collingwood, uh, and I don't feel like Geelong and Collingwood are the two best sides in the competition because the Swans also comprehensively beat Port Adelaide. Um, so they, they've had some good wins. It's there's just some games where they've been clearly overpowered um and i think that yeah as you said hanabry in the side is going to be important whether he can get back in time is another question um it's just yeah there'll be some questions asked of these clubs in the back half yeah absolutely and i mean like looking at 
St Kilda's got yeah Essendon and then Brisbane, so that's two key clashes coming up. Um, and then just having a quick look here, they've still got to play uh, Melbourne. Um, I can't see if they've played. Um, have they played West Coast or Fremantle. I think they might have played Frio. Just yeah. while while you're checking that, um, haven't played West I mean, Coast as well, so. And play West Coast well. Yeah. It, th- those are some of the harder things I'm finding as well about this season. And look, the, it's good that we're getting to watch all the footy. Um, and I guess it's probably like what normally happens, given how many clubs um, are in Melbourne. Um, so how many games therefore get played in Melbourne? But um, when you saw West Coast five or six weeks ago, um, and they were sort of equal wins and losses, um, just sort of getting by. Um, and since then they've come home and played I think five games on the trot at home and haven't lost a game um, and, they, and they had those, those two good wins to finish their their hub life against you know kind of Adelaide position. yeah yeah exactly Adelaide and Sydney so they, they had the, you're right they had two easy games coming out and then they've had all home games since then and they're gonna they're really gonna get a lot of home games towards the back half of the year as well so they're gonna play the Giants at home in two weeks. They're going to play Hawthorne at home next week. I think that they're going to be, unless the finals, grand final in particular, is moving away from West Coast, they're going to be hard to stop now just because of that run of home games. And they're, they're also a strong club, but it'd be the same thing as if we were all hubbing in Melbourne and they were playing Collingwood and Geelong constantly at their home grounds. I think that there's a lot of strong clubs, uh, or Richmond, sorry, the other club there, um, and definitely having the home ground advantage helps. Yeah, absolutely. And that and that's you know, for the for the non Victorian clubs that's been a huge thing and even non New South Wales now, I guess. Um and, and the Queensland clubs have got a real opportunity with it, I guess. And, and that's um yeah, like Brisbane Brisbane has got a massive opportunity this year and it's kind of interesting, like I have heard a lot of the commentary around oh this season will have an asterisk over it. And I, I would say for the opposite reason, the way most people would put an asterisk over it, I put an asterisk over it, that the winner of this season, you know, has has handled um, adversity the best. Yep. Um, you know, we were talking in our chat group earlier today and I think, you know, I, I was you know trying to understand why Melbourne wouldn't pick Braden Pruce on the weekend and it turns out, you know, he hasn't played a game um, since he got injured, you know, um, in the preseason. Because, you know, there's no twos competition. So, you know, he's fit and he's recovered, but all he's done is training. And even then, training's, you know, not really training because, um, you know, you're coming four off four-day breaks. Break, yeah. so they're, they're doing a captain's run. They're not doing a, you know, a full hard training session. So, you know, guys like, yeah, look like guys coming off serious injuries like Proust and stuff, um, and he's not the only one. There's plenty at most clubs. Um, you know, they're just not getting match practice. So... You know, if you're outside of probably the the 28, I reckon, um, kind of, uh, and without injuries, it's really hard to break into that side because, you know, there's the, the 28 players who kind of are getting shuffled through most clubs. And then if you're outside of that, you're not really getting games into your legs. So, you know, the risk is you come in and you're just gassed and, you know. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really challenging season, um, even though a lot of clubs have good depth. Um, the best injury management clubs are the ones who I think are going to perform the best. And, and we're seeing that with Port Adelaide and Brisbane, who are two of the better injury management clubs this year. Um, yep. Certainly um, excelling. 
You're completely right. Um, we'll jump in now to our list review. Just before we did, I wanted to have a word from our partners at Australian Football Coach, the Aussie Rules Management Video Game. If you like footy strategy, you'll love Australian Rules Football Coach. It is the premier coaching simulation game. If you haven't seen any of the stuff on Twitter, there's some videos and stuff up there. Jump on, have a look. It's awesome. Build your list, pick your tactics, uh, and coach your team to a flag. Find out more at australianfootballcoach.com or check out Australian Football Coach on Steam. And they've um, just released a, an update as well, which um, which looks pretty like it's uh, it's fixed up a few bugs and stuff. I had a bit of a poke around the other day and haven't really gotten stuck into it yet. But um, yeah, certainly um, certainly excited by it. Yeah, I, I always get, give you the excuse that um like you know you got a little baby girl uh, i completely understand i i'm the one with no excuse um <laughs> except for i will i will give the excuse and sean knows this at the moment my computer is horrible um <laughs> i don't know what i don't know what i did to a, a computer in a former life but um yeah it's it's it's, it's not going so well at the moment but i will we'll, we'll all get there um but let's jump straight into now. So our list reviews, which has uh, been a staple of the podcast since we started, um, it's what we're getting into at this time of year as well. When we start moving through the different clubs, we look through their list, um, the current shape that it's in, their current players, uh, what's good, what's bad, uh, and looking forward. Do you want to take us through the start? Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited by this. It's it's that time of year. Um, we're probably, given the compressed fixtures, um, we're probably going to start squeezing a few of these out a week. So hopefully everyone can listen in their time. And um, we're working on in the background, you know, when we do a release to potentially have some visuals to come out with that as well. So we're just, it's a few things in the works for us. Um, so starting off with Adelaide, uh, who are bottom of the ladder, so they're the first one off the rank. Uh, average age is 23 years and eight months. and that, So these figures are all start of the year, by the way. Um, I just haven't updated my data, unfortunately. Um, they're the 14th oldest in the AFL. Um, comparable, same time last year, they're about three months younger. Um, average games, 58.3, uh, 13th overall in the AFL. Um, and... Um, last year was 55.6, which had them 14th. In terms of the median player on their list, the median player is 23.1 years old and has 21 games of experience, which is the 13th uh, youngest, uh, sorry, 13th oldest, so the seventh youngest uh, in the AFL and the least experience of any median player in the AFL. So, um, I think it's probably a good snapshot of where a lot of the Crows experience actually sits in their list um, because they're they're kind of mid-pack for the middle player in terms of age, but that middle player's not got a lot of experience. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's quite interesting. And then when you look at kind of their their list, uh, most of of their games are pretty much in guys... um, you know, 25 and above. So they've got uh, 2,183 games out of a grand total of 2,567 in guys over 25. 
um, at the start yeah. of the year. So, and you, t- you typically do see a skew towards the older players, but that is just a remnant of their um, their past. I mean, really, this is a, the core of a team that played in some grand final or in a grand final and was competitive for a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, and you can still see that when you when we when we get down to their best twenty two, you can see shades of um, twenty seventeen. Yeah. Um, you can also see shades of 2020. <laughs> yeah, and that's and that's exactly it. It's a re- it's a list in transition. Last year was a was I guess the start of the transition um, where they you know they they or the year before even where they drafted um, Chase Jones and Ned McHenry um, with two two first round picks. They had Fisher Mackesy last year, so you can see they've started to they've started the process of accumulating you know high draft picks um, to start that regeneration. Um, when you go through the depth chart, they've got five key forwards. They've got 10 general forwards, but none are considered mid forwards, I guess. 13 midfielders, only two recognized rucks. Um, although Billy Frampton, who's classified as a key forward, can ruck. He started as a ruck at Port Adelaide. So, you know, maybe it's two rucks plus a, a, a ruck forward there. Um, 12 general defenders and five key defenders. So um, not not too bad on splits. Um I think that's relatively in line with what we've seen in previous years. Um, I think it's interesting yeah. they don't have a lot of utility mid forwards in their general forwards and general defenders. I think that's interesting as well. And I mean, it, it, it sort of, when you think about it, you think about their midfielders and they're very honest types of midfielders, um, like your, your Crouch brothers, um, Rory Sloan. Who, Rory Sloan, if, if in a different era, could have been a mid forward because he's got a, ability to kick goals. Yeah. Um, but very traditional midfield types and their forwards again pretty traditional types of forwards Stengel um, like many of these are smaller players but yeah. um, Stengel and um, who else am I thinking about Tom Lynch um, Darcy Fogarty these types types of players aren't going to be guys that go into the middle as well um, they're, they're forwards through and through they don't have many of those transitional types yeah yeah absolutely um, and I guess the ruck depth is something that's interesting. They've got Riley O'Brien. They let Sam Jacobs go. They've got Kieran Strawn, who made his debut the other week, I think. Um, and they've got Billy Frampton, who's that who they've really drafted as a forward, I believe. Um, but he is a ruck forward, I guess. But yeah, it's just um, I guess I worry that if 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 Riley O'Brien goes over, you you're, you're left with um, Kieran Strawn and and um, and Billy Frampton chopping out or, or sacrificing Tex Walker or or something like that. Um, and that's that's a really big risk for this young list because at least with, with O'Brien, they've put in the time and effort to to get him um, to where he is today and, and, he's, and he's developing nicely into probably... He, he's moving into that second tier of, of Ruckman. Um, you know, he's not yep. with, with the Gorn, Goldie, Grundy. Into... Yeah, he's in the yeah. wits bracket. Yeah, that's where yeah. he's moving to, and and it's really it's really great to see. Um, that's reward for for um for their patience with the ruck, um, and and for giving him his opportunity by moving Jacobs on. It's just it's left them exposed, um, unfortunately. Yeah. So, um, do you want to walk us through the key changes? Yeah. So there was a lot of changes last year. Um, I mean they they went heavily at moving some senior players um out, so they delisted, uh. Richard Douglas, uh, they traded Eddie Betts. They lost Cam Alice Yolman as a free agent. They traded Hugh Greenwood. 
Um, they delisted Paul Hunter. They traded Sam Jacobs. They traded Josh Jenkins. They traded Alex Keith. And Andy Otten retired. So you can see that's a very experienced core of players. And if those guys all were at the club, I'd say that one, two, three, four, five, six of that nine would still be a best 22. Yep. Um, so it sort of shows you the way that they went um, in terms of exposing players. Um, they also brought in future draft picks and lots of great players at the draft as well. So they went and they brought in Billy Frampton, which was a good acquisition in terms of key forward and ruck depth. Um, they, they brought in draft picks, as I mentioned. Um, so they now have multiple first, second, thirds for the 2020 draft. And at the draft, they took Fisher Mackesy, Harry Schoenberg, and Josh Worrell. Um, they just took a couple of later picks, uh, but those those three were the main three to come in. Yep. Um, and I guess in terms of their key players, uh, as everyone will remember, we do key players now and in the future. I guess at the moment, we've got you know Sloan, Talia, the Crouch brothers, um, Riley O'Brien, and Rory Laird. Um, and in three years' time, I guess the transition is going to be, um, you know, Sloan and Talia are definitely going to have moved on by then. Um, and there's, you know, we've got Malera, who who we think is going to move to the midfield. Tom Doty, who after 39 games has already play, uh, captained his first game. So he's, he's very highly rated there. Early draft pick Tom Doty. Um, Riley O'Brien, Rory Laird still, um, although Laird will probably be pushing about 28 at the time, I think, 29. Um, yeah, he'll still, then, still be an important cog, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, the Crouches, uh, we've left them in as a, as a future thing because they, they are the, the building blocks of their future midfield if they want them to be, I guess is probably the way we look at it. And we'll talk about the Crouches a bit later in in the the trade and draft pick stuff but i think it's i think um for the purposes of what we're doing here and looking into the future in the ideal world you probably retain them both so yeah and look we'll go through uh, a best 22 now um which is probably if you're trying to win games uh rather than if you're trying to expose a whole lot of players which sort of shows a little bit about where they're at as well because a lot of these guys are either injured or not getting games um so mcpherson he's shown something this year Excuse me, we're recording this late. That was a yawn. Uh, McPherson, Talia, and Brown bringing up the back line. Um, Dodie, Hardigan. Um, I, I've got him with a question mark there just because I don't think he's been in the side a whole lot with injury and potentially form. Um, Laird, uh, Smith on the wing, Sloan in the middle, Malera on the other wing. Um, Tom Lynch, Walker, McAdam, half forward, Stengel, Fogarty, Murphy, full forward line. Riley O'Brien and the two crouches in the ruck. Seedsman, uh, Chase Jones, Keys, who's been a really good find for them, I think. Um, he's not a super damaging player, but his defensive work's been really good. And Himmelberg, um, bringing out the interchange. So some of the good things, um, I mean, as you said, you're looking at that PES 22 and you're thinking, yeah, look, there's some shades of 2017 there. And you can tell that a lot of those players aren't getting played in their 2017 positions. Uh, they might be... But, making way for some of the younger guys like yeah McHenry who's playing Schoenberg, Scholl, Hamill Mackesy all playing at the moment and those are guys that they've been able to bring in the last two years so that's when we move into the good, the bad and the ugly which is what we're doing now one of the things I think is best is that they're not dragging their heels with this rebuild they're really just jumping straight into it um, they, they recognize that they had an opportunity to start 
moving on some senior players and bringing in some young players. I think that the camp might have also done a bit of that. Um, so it's a bit of turning a negative into a positive, um, and I'll be able to touch on that a bit later um, after the episode. It's been a bit of a bugbear for mine with some other clubs, uh, but they're not dragging their heels. So Jones, McHenry, Schoenberg, Scholl, Worrell, Hamill, Maxi all look like players. Um, so they've done well there. They've got multiple first, second, and third round draft picks for next year. Um, this year and they mate. did a really good... This year, sorry. Uh, 2020. Um, I just want it to be over. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and a good trade with GWS last year. So being able to... They offloaded their pick, brought in uh, the pick that got Mackesy, and, and also a future first round pick from GWS, which was yeah. a great trade. And I thought that they were probably, you know, I think they were probably leaning to Mackesy anyway at pick four. So it's a, yeah, it's a bit able to get the pick that you want still and, and you know, add an extra uh, draft pick there in a first rounder as well. And I know Melbourne said no to that. Um, probably still burnt after pick two for um, Dom Tyson and pick nine, which was basically Josh Kelly for Christian Salem and Dom Tyson. So yeah. I'm not surprised they said no. Um, the bad... Um, it's probably just general underperforming. So you've kind of got their star players. We'll, we'll say star, inverted commas. Um, some of these guys, people will probably debate whether they're stars or not, but we're talking the Crouch brothers. Tex, um, Bryce Gibbs was bought in on big money and um, or reasonable coin, and um, he's, you know, was meant to be kind of the, the cherry on top for them. Um, and he's obviously playing, well, not even playing in the twos because there is no twos at the moment, so... Um, and then probably uh, Kyle Hardigan uh, just not uh, living up to it. I guess he's probably more in the role players section, which is kind of the next group of guys. So Jake Kelly, Dave McKay, and Rory Atkins, and, and probably Hardigan as well in there. Um, they're their role players who 2017, um, they were excellent. Um, uh, sorry, did I say Josh Kelly or Jake Kelly? <laughs> you said... I think you said Jake. Okay, I hope I said Jake. I meant Jake Kelly. Um, um, but yeah, so obviously they're, they're role players um, who, who just aren't performing at the moment and they look out of sorts. So I guess, yeah, just generally across the board. And this is what happens when a team's, you know, on bottom and hasn't won a game. Um, you know, a lot of their, their highlights are going to be young players coming up and, you know, guys like Rory o, uh, Riley O'Brien standing up. Um, so yeah and then in terms of the ugly um, well, if we can say it it's a no win 2020 season to date um, although they did give uh, Collingwood a bit of a shake yesterday and, and Melbourne for three quarters the week before so um, but probably probably the biggest issue um, with Adelaide has just been I guess the airing of dirty laundry in public um, and it's something that um, I know that we've brought up a few times with different clubs so whether it's you know Koshi or Eddie being outspoken or anything like that. I think anything that draws attention to your club in a negative way is it's got to be managed properly. Um, and I would say that there's been a few incidents this year that have just caused a pile on Adelaide. Um, yeah. And it and it's whether rightly or wrongly, I'm not really sure. Um, you know, without knowing the details, it's hard to you know. But it, it does feel like it's been easy to pile on them for, for whatever reason. So they obviously they had the COVID breach, um, which cost Ben Hart a suspension for six weeks um, and the club got fined. Um, given what's happened since then, was it over the top? Maybe. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, Nathan Buckley and, and Brent Sanderson 
breached, but they haven't been suspended yet. The precedent was kind of set that Hart was involved in a breach, and I guess it was probably the first breach, and they weren't really sure, and they went hard. And I think it's probably it was probably a bit over the top there, um, but then that kind of you know led to a bit more of the the pile on, and then there was all the stuff about the camp that got released again, which cropped up and, and you know more dirty laundry out there and um, and then Mark Rusciuto went on radio and publicly bagged players and talked about their contracts and oh we weren't going to pay him this much and oh you know he got offered too much and da 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 and oh the only one we were really disappointed about was X and you know it's just, it's just a really not a good look it's crass it's it's you know like I think it wasn't wasn't classy was it it wasn't it really didn't um and like Rue's a Rue's a champion of of, of Adelaide and, and and the game as well um but and you appreciate the honesty in you know what he deems his honesty in talking about it but I would say that there's a time and a place and and public radio is not the time or the place well it's, um, I mean it's like play, player salaries aren't advertised in AFL they're speculated against but he, he was talking about some some numbers that they were privy to uh, and he was obviously quite frustrated that those players had left but the the comment about Lever was the one that really got me um, where they were saying we weren't going to pay him that much uh, I, I don't think he's really proven that he is worth that anyway like just things like that where it's like just shut up just don't yeah. comment like you you cut your losses it's just nothing that you say now is going to change that um so just just don't comment on it um especially in afl this is an nba where everyone's salaries are public and you know what's going on yeah this is they're 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 not published for a reason um it's part of people's deals that they're not published so don't go and bring attention to them it just brought down heat on the club at a time that they did not need extra heat well it just meant that all those players you know basically he he openly attacked Hugh Greenwood uh which I thought was quite interesting and Greenwood's response was you don't know um and then and then it basically opened the door for the camp stuff to come back and everyone's talking and then all of a sudden there's a you know two weeks later there's an expose on the camp about what really happened and, and you know it's more dirt and so then all of a sudden you know rather than you know kind of everything kind of just you know still waters you've upset the apple cart and we've got um, you know everything going everywhere and, and people going to dig and all of a sudden that disgruntled player is going to go and tell the age more or the Herald Sun more details than what they had on, on the camp and, and all of a sudden it makes the club look bad again so it's it, it's just a snowball effect and it's just not needed and I think it, it, you know, it highlights one of my biggest pet peeves and, and I've, you know, I've said it multiple times with Eddie uh, I just think that, that people like Rusciuto, like Eddie Maguire, like Koshi, who are public facing, they should they that you can't be a commentator and a president. Yeah. And you can't be a commentator and a board member. I don't think that's possible. I mean, Koshi gets away with it because he's, you know, uh, morning TV. Um, but even sometimes he crosses a line. But, you know, you know, Eddie the other night watching Adelaide, Melbourne just you know, oh, Ben Crocker, what a great guy. You know, Collingwood, oh, Paul Seedsman, ex-Collingwood. It's just like, Eddie, mate, pump the brakes, man. Like, Yeah, um, I, I, I tend to sit with you there, mate. And I, I think that um, Sean's pet peeves is going to be a new regular segment that we can have <laughs> on the show where we can just touch on what, what if your pet peeves have been 
pushed that week. Yeah, well, I think I what did I message the other night in one of our groups? I said there was a, there was a commentary team that was Eddie Rusciuto and Dunstall, and I called it the most the most conflicted commentary team we've had because you've got ex Hawthorne CEO or board member in Dunstall, you've got current president and current board member of two other clubs, and they're commentating on two other clubs, like as if as if other clubs want to sit there and hear um, Eddie McGuire's opinion on their players. <laughs> Yeah. Like in 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 any other sport around the world, you can't you, like that's not possible, because if you sit there and yeah. glowingly talk up a player in most sports around the world, that's called tapping up. You know, in 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 um, yeah. in basketball, you know, Magic Johnson, Magic who's Johnson, a, yeah. a great, he says a couple of nice words about Ben Simmons, he gets fined fifty thousand dollars because he was the yep. GM of of LA Lakers, so. You know, whereas over here it's you know, oh, they're media, so it just happens. So anyway, well, we're di- digressing, and it's yeah, it's a. Pet so I said, Sean, Sean's pet peeves. I'm adding it to the bottom of the template as we speak. <laughs> um, Dave, do you want to take us through um, through the next segment, mate? You got the axe sharp this time, mate. I always have it sharp, but I mean, it's it's, it's relatively e- easy here. I think. Okay, well, I'll I'll just read them and you tell me. All right, so we got Ace Taylor, rookie. Yeah, I mean, we're going to assume that lists say the same. Oh yeah, um, sorry, we should this. clarify that. Yeah. So we're going to assume that assuming that they say the same, it's a re rookie. Okay, re rookie. Um, I'm probably yep. delisting. Yeah. Um, uh, both the Bens, Crocker and Keys. I think they're both rookie listed. Uh, I'd probably probably promote Keys to the main list, given two years, and re rookie Ben Crocker for another year. Agreed. Um. Brad Crouch, uh, re-signing for three to four, um, but equally, if you get a if he gets a really solid offer um, and you're going to get picked two in return for him, then I would leave it. Yep, I agree. Um, Dave McKay, D-list. It's been a good servant, but it's time to yep. cut the cord. Agreed. Uh, Elliot Himmelberg. Yeah, he's been good. Uh, I like I like Timberberg. I like the way he's played. Um, he's a good depth player. He's probably never going to be an absolute superstar, but I mean, he'll develop into a good Josh Jenkins type of player. Um, so two years, I think. Cool. Uh, Jordan Gallucci. Uh, D list. He hasn't worked. I know he's been injured a lot, but um, there comes a time where you just have to accept that players are injured and that they're going to stay that way and they're not going to reach their potential. Yeah, I think it'll be good for him and the, and the club probably. Like, I think he'll probably yeah. he could he could find a spot on another list um, if they stay the same. Um, but yeah, I just think he's Adelaide and him are struggling. So yeah, yeah. Um, Kieran Strawn Strawny um, probably give him one more year. It looked slow um, in in the game that it, I saw him play the other week. But look, he's a he's a young big ruck, so just give him time. Yep. Uh, Kyle Hardigan. I probably just keep him for another year, um, at, at least. But but probably he can move to rolling one year contracts. He might want to leave if a club is really desperate for a Nathan Brown type defender. Yeah. Um, just a tall body ready to go. Um, but I don't know if he'll. Don't know if he will. Yeah. Well, he's a restricted free agent, so you know who knows what he can move on. Who, but... Is it is there a club near the eight though that need like a big key defender like that? Uh, I always say the Pies could do with one. <laughs> maybe maybe the Giants like he could fit at oh. the Giants just 
I mean, they're playing Lockie Keefe as a key defender, so I mean, they could probably use the additional depth. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, it's, it's, not, it's not bagging Lockie Keefe. It's more just that, like, thinking about the age profile of the club. Um, well, since and, and, uh, St Kilda lost uh, Nathan Brown. So, yeah, know. so like a St Kilda, Western Bulldogs, they don't have many good key defenders. Geelong. Um, it would, yeah, Geelong. Um, yeah, yeah I, I could see those clubs those clubs making a move on him. Yeah, I mean, if you wanted to swing hooker forward, you could probably, Essendon could probably do it, you know. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, Miles Paholke. Paholke, D-list for me. Yeah, uh, I kind of sat on the fence. I think he's probably going to be a D-list, given I know uh, I ended up D-listing just the amount of picks that they've got. So, um, yeah, Patrick Wilson. D-list as well, yeah. Yep, Riley Knight. Yeah, the next two are interesting. So the next two are Riley Knight and Rory Atkins, who are both sort of mid-career players. Um, and for me, that they're both... If I was a Crows fan, I wouldn't want to see either one of those guys picked over a kid, um, which is why I've got them both as D-lists. But, you know, I think they probably both could find new homes as well. Yeah. Especially look, Atkins could find a new home for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think with Atkins, he's a restricted free agent, so he's free to kind of move. Um, and I probably wouldn't be resisting the move. Um, yeah. You know, 100, 100 games... Uh, 26 years old for Atkins and, and Knight is yeah, about the same age and, and about 60-ish games, 55 games or something. So, I mean, they're kind of the players that are, that could support your transition Yeah. Um, if they're willing to accept the role of, of basically um, carrying a team and holding a spot until it can be taken from them. Um, yeah. So I don't really know. I mean, I'd probably do this night. Atkins, I'm on the fence with. Um, I probably yeah, wouldn't, mate, mate. wouldn't do right. this. Maybe, maybe, maybe a one year. Maybe it's lose one, keep one, um, just depending on how they want to go strategy-wise. Yep. Uh, Tyson Stengel is the last one. And I'd re-sign him for two years. Yep, I'd agree with that. Or even a three-year deal. Yeah, I think maybe just two at the start, just because I, I'm still yet to see him really grip grip the spot it's the same with Lockie Murphy who I like but I haven't seen either one of them really grip it and be like yeah this kid's a player of the future they're just they're holding down a spot at the moment in a side that doesn't have a lot of depth yep fair call alright trade and draft um, talk us through what's missing what do they what do they need to be looking at at the draft um, mids for me um, so probably like rangy high quality ball using type mids uh, and it's something that I probably think they've addressed in the last two years when they've gone to the draft that they have tried to target sort of positional type players um, the the interesting one was when they went to the draft and took Jones and um, McHenry McHenry that, that, those were the two interesting ones because they probably could have taken um, like a Dersma type of player as one of those two um, and I think they would have been a lot, lot better off obviously they would have been a lot better off because Dersma's a gun um, but I mean we had Dersma in that sort of like uh, five to seven range in that draft um, and he would have fit in really well at nine it, like I think that their whole midfield would look a whole lot better with the Dersma type of player and I think they just need to go target types of players like that now um, yeah. probably need to add to their ruck depth as well I mean we always say this that clubs need to add to their ruck depth and they never do um, so this is highly um, dependent on I guess where they see 
Strawn and Frampton's best positions. If they see them both as Ruckman, then maybe they don't. Uh, but without a second-tier competition for those guys to play in, it's pretty hard for them to develop. Yeah. Um, and then probably, for me, the last one's a developing key position player. I think um, they're probably looking at their stocks. They just probably need one more. Um, they've got McCasey and, and Fogarty and stuff. Probably just one more for me would be ideal. Um, and, you know, to be honest, this is the draft where they can probably snag a bit of everything. <laughs> Um, yeah. with, the, with the hand they've got um, trade and free agency I don't really see them targeting much um, I think if they're going to bring in you know guys like Keys and stuff they should keep doing it through the rookie draft um, if there is a rookie draft um, yeah. But, but yeah I mean I, I wouldn't be maybe a couple of delisted free agents um, if they can um, realistically because they're list in transition unless you're, you're picking up someone kind of the 21 to 23 year old bracket it's kind of not really beneficial i guess um so yeah i'm a bit i don't really see them being active in that space but that said they may look to get active with their their picks um just simply because i think they've got um potentially two high quality um nga father son type picks um which we'll talk about in a minute Trade bait wise, um, probably now's as good a time as any um, to to have the what will become weekly crouch debate um, as we move on into the end of the season with uh, all the yeah. news outlets. Um, Brad Crouch obviously restricted free agent, and Matt Crouch in contract. What are you doing, John? I mean, with a with an in contract player, um, Crouch is a good young mid. I think that if he's, I mean, I imagine he would be fine to play without his brother. Um, then I would want to keep him, Matt. Um, I think Matt's hands at the contest are actually really good. I ra- I rate him quite highly. I rate him differently, and probably higher than I rate Brad. And I think Brad has more upside, um, but I just don't think that because he's a kicking type mid. That, that should be kicking and bursting from packs and he doesn't, um, that's where it damages you. Um, whereas Crouch is very clearly a Sam Mitchell type distributor Matt. where he... Matt, sorry? Matt Crouch. Did I, did I say Brad? Okay, no, you, said, yeah, you, just Matt, said, you just said Crouch. <laughs> yeah, Matt Crouch, sorry. Um, I think he said nut and I was like, no, his hands are just like Mitchell's hands. Like he's got really great, like really great handball awareness um, and he just needs to tidy up his kicking. But I think that he's doing the right thing this year by not trying to bite off too much. Um, I think his numbers have dropped off a little bit because he's playing in a worse side. Um, so being a distributor in a worse side is harder. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I've really gone off Matt lately. Just watch. I watched him quite closely the last, probably through t- at least the last two Adelaide games, if not three. Um, and uh, he just... You know, there was there was a play that um, to end the third quarter where he he got first hands, so he's he's got the hands on the pill um, and he's in a great spot and he basically had a little bit of space and all he had to do was you know he's a left footer so he just had to slam it on the right um, and they the crows get a clearance um, and he had the space to do it even if you're a horrible right foot kick there's forty five seconds to go in the game. Uh, in the in the quarter, like just it's meterage at this stage, um, and he rather than doing that, he handballed 
directly to a player under pressure who then lost the ball and then um, Colin would go and kick that second goal. Um, Darcy Cameron takes a mark and kicks a goal. And, you know, you all you just kind of look at it and you go, that that's a that's a player who's who's just, you know, there's not a lot of trust in that midfield and it's kind of it feels a bit like shifting you know, get the handball to get an effective disposal, and then they can't blame me for the mistake. Um, yeah, I don't know if that's that's it's, it's probably a very unfair way to look at it, but it's just the feeling I kind of get watching watching them. And then when you see Rory Laird last night playing around the ball, and he's just you know decisive and actionable, and, and that's really where Matt needs to come back to. He's probably lost that decisiveness, and I, I think. Um, yeah, I think I think they were better off keeping both of them. Um, yep. I would I would probably yeah if Brad gets a good deal and you're going to end up with a pick two or a pick eleven, um, depending on what the AFL does with the compo, I'd probably take it and run. Um, if you're not going to get back that, I would match and then see if there's an ability to trade for a higher pick. Um, if there isn't. Yep just match and retain him and you know when he wants you know if he wants to go in 12 months time trade him go to trade again until you can get what you want for him i guess um yeah yeah it's a really difficult one for adelaide um i mean i guess the the thing is is they're two big assets that they could move and they would get two equally big assets to help regenerate yeah exactly um I, i just don't think that based on their age that they that they need to move them more and to regenerate. That's the, sort of the hard thing with them. Um, I know that they're talking points because Brad's out of contract and a and a free agent and a good player, so clubs will target him. But for me, a, a 26 and a 23, 24 year old midfielder, um, yeah. they're the brothers that potentially could spend like if if you gave Brad a five year deal um, rather than a three year deal. Um, then he becomes a life player. You're probably going to have Matt as a life player. And look, they both might be around for the next flag assault because it it only takes it for if, if things go right, it takes four years. Um, in the Lions, it took a long time, and then it happened very, 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 very quickly. Yep. Um, and that's that's what could happen here as well, where you could have it just take two to three years, and then in the fourth, all of a sudden, everything comes together. So. The next three guys I'm actually more interested in in, in talking about, which is Tom yep. Lynch, uh, Daniel, Jane Otalia, and Jake Kelly. Um, yep. And the reason is is because I don't think that those guys will be around at the next flag assault. Um, I think that the top two, so Lynch and Talia, will hold down important roles for the next two to three years and be able to teach the young players coming through, which I think is Ke- really Kelly's important. Kelly's only 25, so he, he could be Just around. Yeah, J- that's that's so that's why I said the top two. Yeah. I think that Jake Jake Kelly is like a good player, a, a fine depth player in a good side. So when he's not in a good side, he's ex- actually exposed and he's not as good as some of the fringe players um, in that team. He just fits well in a system. So he can move to a system space club, and, and you could maybe get a third round pick or a future third round pick or something for him. And I'd consider doing that, like a, a Collingwood or a um, Collingwood maybe for the Kelly link. Um, but otherwise, uh, Richmond type of club, um, even Geelong might be able to do something with him um, just because of his type of player he is. Um, whereas Talia and Lynch, uh, in fact, to be honest, I think that all of them would fit well at Collingwood, and this is potentially a Collingwood bias. You can tell me if I'm wrong here. But no, they would. when yeah. I look at 
yeah, when I when I look at Collingwood and I say Talia and Lynch, um, and I don't know what they'd be worth, probably a bit, but maybe like a second round pick or um or something like that for for the pair. Um, I'm not really sure, but they're as I said, they're senior players, so they're not going to be winning a flag with Adelaide. And gee, Talia would be the best defender at Collingwood, uh, and Lynch would probably be our best forward, like our most consistent forward. Um, and they put us, they they put a team like that right into the window. So I think both of those players could look at other homes. Yeah, they could. Um, I'm not sure a second round pick for both is enough. Um, Either am I. It's, that's why I was because I, I feel like a first round pick for both is overs, unless it's a late first round, like a like a pick 15 onwards. Yeah. Um, so maybe. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's potentially uh, not a bad deal there. Um, I mean, obviously, Tom Lynch, I think, will be 30 this year and Talia is a year or two behind him. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it would... I mean, I guess Collingwood would have to pay for the benefit that would be there for them is what I would think. Like, yeah. it's not so much you're paying what each player is worth, but you're going to pay for that huge benefit that they're going to offer. You know, they're going to really put you in the slot for a, a flag. Um, and and Kelly, Kelly, I think, is an interesting one because he's, yeah, he's that perfect role player. Richmond have, have made, you know, they've got so, you've know, got a lot of those guys, the broads and the shorts and stuff who, who are just those really good role players. And, you know, whether it be a club that's, you know, heading towards that spot um, I don't know, like he, he'd probably fit GWS or even potentially Brisbane, you know, is a, in a third or, you know, that kind of tall, small um, defender role. Um, so, you know, there's a few clubs that he would probably do well at. Um, but yeah, again, for them, if you're putting these guys on the table, it's to, to, to get back in, you know, high-end draft picks. We're talking, you know, top top 20 30 draft picks type thing so um yeah yeah and with that um their current draft picks this year is the latter sits uh as of the 12th of august um they've got uh pick one uh pick 12 which is gws's pick and that's we've shuffled that back one pick because the compensation pick for gold coast was 11 um they've got uh pick 20 and pick 29 in the second round they've got pick 42 and 49 in the third round and they've got pick 56 now they've got three nga listed players in uh luke edwards who still has to nominate for adelaide um, as a father son um obviously the son of tyson um james borlays who is uh, nga but i believe his dad has a strong connection with port adelaide and there's a little bit of controversy about it um, and Tariq Newchurch, um, who I don't know a lot about, but he's also an NGA player. So I believe that you know Edwards and Borlays are, are probably firming for for top thirty picks um, without you know having really good access to this year's um, draft pool. It's a bit hard to understand where it's all going to fall. So a lot of their spare third round and fourth round picks that they've got um, are certainly going to come into play to match these bids and potentially even that later second round um, you, you would hope well you know a pick for Edwards could come before 20 um, based on what I saw last year yeah I reckon it'll probably come in the 20s um, or even in the 30s just because I think that people seem as more of a already built type player rather than having much scope but it'd be interesting to see um, how it turns out I mean 
if you're going to the draft, obviously the things that people are really caring about are those probably pick one, pick 12, pick 20. What are you doing with those? Yeah, so, I mean, and this is, you know, this is purely just um, looking at it from not taking into account the marketing aspect of pick one, but uh, if I got pick one, I'm bidding on Jamara. I'm making the Bulldogs pay top dollar um, because even if they don't match, I'm still happy with that. He, Everything I've seen um, last year says he's the number one pick. Um, assuming they match, um, I'm then drafting Riley Tilthorpe at pick two, and he's a ruck forward. And then we spoke, um, uh, obviously, in what they need, uh, that ruck depth, um, and, I, and I did think that they could also do with another key position. Tilthorpe fills both. He's um, a, like a probably more of a forward who, who can run in the ruck, um, but certainly um has has tremendous scope and he's john's favorite player actually um he is my favorite player in the draft it's i was saying the other week um in my solo podcast uh that uh i for some reason have an obsession with liking south australian players as my number one pick so it was Rosie, then Gould, now tilthorpe um so i really need to like another state's players sooner or later but I mean, if SA keep churning out good players, I'll probably keep liking him. I, no, I just like um, Tilthorpe just has... He's got a really good scope as a forward um, as a forward ruck just because he can do things um, both in the contests, in the air, and at ground level um, that, that sort of not many big men can. Um, and, I mean, it's similar to when you watch Luke Jackson in a different way. I'm not saying that he plays like Luke Jackson. No, but he when you watch Luke, When you watch Luke Jackson play football, though... You, you go, he's doing those things and he's a big man. Um, and that's the same thing with Tilthorpe. Tilthorpe is more of a big man. He looks bulkier and he moves a little bit more awkwardly, but he's no less graceful. Like as in, he, he can sidestep, he can kick accurately on both feet in, at good distances. He's got good goal scope. He's probably got more football awareness um, than... Uh, than Jackson does at the same age because Jackson's basketball background, Pendlebury-esque basketball background. Um, <laughs> Are we going to talk Petraka-esque soon? Is he the next one? Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but no, I mean, that, that, that makes sense. That's where I'd be going. And then I'd be, be going for a, a mid, probably for the, with the next two picks. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So pick 12, I'm thinking, um, you know, if he's still on the table, like I, I'm a firm believer that... that Adelaide having drafted short they now need to bulk out their midfield so you need to have a guys with some physical size um, I'm probably a little bit different to John in the John's probably more thinking the rangy types a bit more the Bontempelli yeah. whereas I'm probably thinking a bit more I don't mind the solid build kids like like Tom Green and, and Paddy Cripps and that sort of thing like with a bit more bulk on them um, so in that I'd probably be bidding on Reef McInnes who's, who's tied to, to Collingwood um, I think he's he's about 190 and built like a, a fridge, um, and I reckon he's he's the perfect kind of midfielder for them ideally um, because he's something very different yep. to what they've they've drafted. Assuming Collingwood matches, uh, yeah, it was a bit of a, it was a really tough one for you and me to talk about this. Um, we kind of floated between two names uh, that was Nathan O'Driscoll and Finlay McRae. Um, Finlay McRae is probably more of an inside midfielder than his brother. Um, uh, obviously, Jackson McRae of the, the Bulldogs. Um, he's a little bit shorter. He's not quite that, you know, 190 centimetres. He's only, he's, I think he's about 185, so 6'1", um, which isn't short either. Um, 
but yeah, I just think that he's he's probably a bit more in the what John was talking about, just you know, beautiful skills, um, but clean in a contest. Um, yep. And and O'Driscoll, um, I think is probably a bit more like what I I like with <laughs> midfielders, I guess. Um, and I mean, it's it's a real tough one looking through the draft this year and not having been able to watch them. Like by now, we would have a championships under our belt to to really understand yeah. what they look like. Um, but, you know, I mean, yeah, O'Driscoll's, you know, what's he, 187. Yeah, so he's reasonably tall um, and, yeah, I guess plays reasonably similar to, to Dev Robertson, so that inside mid and release type player. Um, then they got pick 20 and assuming a bid comes later for, for Edwards or Borlase. Um they're probably looking at a, a Tom Powell or an Archie Perkins back here. Um, again, uh, slightly different mid. You're probably more going for the best mid rather than a, a, a certain type of mid, I guess. Um, at pick 12, you could probably argue there's a couple of guys who are probably slightly better mids than O'Driscoll and McRae. But I think that those two fit the mould of what they need physically. Um, yep. Whereas at pick 20, I think they can go back to just picking a best available mid there. So... Um, and then, yeah, we've assumed basically the following picks are all going to be burnt up on NGAs. So, uh, I don't know. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm really in the same boat, mate. I think that um, if I was... If I thought what would be a successful draft to come out from, I would say Tilthorpe, O'Driscoll, or Finlay McRae and Powell. Um, I'd say that if you get three of those, um, Tilthorpe with the first and two of those others with the next two, just depending on whether McRae slides or, um, I mean, really, given this year is a bit more up in the air, really anyone could slide. So well, I think a lot of the Victorian um, kids are potentially going to slide. So McRae is firmly in that spot. Yeah. So I, I would say um, if you come out with those three, then you're really happy. Um and I, I would also say just heavily assess whether your NGA picks are um, good enough. I think one of the things that clubs have done recently is probably just take the NGA picks um, and the father-son picks without doing a, a good enough screen on them. Look, that's not me having a close enough insight into how the club's mechanisms work, but you start to become attached to players at a younger age, um, which means you start stop being able to pick up their weaknesses um from from a younger age as well so it's just something that i would be aware of um those 20s and 30s picks are a really dangerous area um where if you just if you're just going to be complacent so i would just make sure that you are yeah making the picks for the right reasons but um i'm gonna we're gonna wrap up uh this episode now sean did you have any final words yeah, I think for, for Adelaide, and I think going through this exercise has been really good. Um, we've probably been a bit down on them lately, um, thinking, you know, where are they really heading? But having the time to, to cut and assess their list, uh, I feel like, you know, they've, they've, they've started going down the hard road. They've, 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 as you said, they've rapidly tried to turn over their list and credit to their list department over there for, for the work they've done. Um, there's certainly a lot of young talent on their list. Now the challenge is for them to, to obviously develop that talent. Um, I think, you know, for them, um, the, the, the firm step next step is to focus on high quality, like keep bringing in high quality kids. Um, and when you bring in those high quality kids, get the coaching into them. 
um, and, and you know don't don't do um, what a few clubs have done and you know burn your older players who are going to develop these kids so you know there's nothing wrong with holding on to Tex Walker for another year um, and to help with Darcy Fogarty's development there's nothing wrong with um, you know I don't know maybe not Dave McKay but um, you know that sort of player hang on I'll <laughs> You get where I'm going with it. There's nothing wrong with um, I do. with Hardigan I get hanging around and helping Mackesy and um, yep. you know Tom Lynch helping develop you know the half forwards. You know we saw it with Stengel and Eddie Betts last year. Like Stengel went across and having Eddie Betts there helped him. You know have a look at the way yep. Stengel plays and like you can just see the the flashes of Eddie and and I do actually yep. genuinely think this um, that that yeah like a lot of the way he moves and plays is because of the development work he's probably done with Eddie Betts. And so I would encourage them not to be afraid to hold on to certain players to help that and, you know, get the most out of Bryce Gibbs, you know, help him, get him to train a Ned McHenry or a, or a Chase Jones in how to play, you know, that outside role, you know? So yeah, I guess, um, yeah, keep, keep going with the list build, focus on high quality and, and don't make the mistakes of the past. Yeah, no, I, I tend to agree with you, mate. Um, when you look at their team and you go, the players we mentioned in trade bait, um, the Crouches, Lynch, Talia, Kelly, you could keep them all. Um, yep. You could keep them all for the next next couple of years at least. I mean, Crouch, Crouch, Kelly, you could keep them for five more years. Um, but they, you just have to pick a direction, and, and I think that I like the direction that the Crows have been going. Um, it must not be as fun being a supporter at the moment as it was three years ago. Um, but I think that there are so many good players coming through. Um, keep bringing in players like Hamill and giving them the ball and just letting them take on the game. Um, encourage that type of positive take on the game behavior. And the Crows will be back in no time. Um, yeah. Malera next year it's coming a, back. It's a tough year not to be a good side. Um, it, you're you're exposed to you don't even get a chance to just get back into a regular routine and have a run of three home games and everyone taking a bit of time and maybe you can sneak a win it's just a tough year to be an average team at the same time if you're going to be an average team be it this year and, and get it out of the way um, continue to rebuild and they're looking good now I did promise that I was going to do a little bit of a rant at the end of this episode but I'm going to delay it um, to the next episode yeah, I know. You're gonna, Keep them hanging. You're going to build up the rant. Are you going to? Is it going to be the volcano type eruption? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I that sort of happens on Twitter. Whenever I get too frustrated, I just go there. But no, I, I think I've got it under control. I just, I roughly know where I want to take it, and because it's ten o'clock on a, uh, a Wednesday, I, uh, I want to go down and see. <laughs> you don't even know what and, day it is. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I had to look at the clock. I um, I was saying that now I work out it's the weekend by turning up, turning my computer on in the morning and seeing that no one else is online. Um, but well, look, we're getting there together. We'll get through this lockdown, and it's good to be back podcasting with you, mate. Yeah, you too, mate. And uh, thanks everyone for listening, and thanks everyone for the well wishes um, that I've received in the break. And um, yeah, hopefully we'll we'll definitely get a roll on from here. Um, and yeah, looking forward to cutting and assessing and slicing lots of lists. And um, to be honest, it's pretty exciting to see where footy is going to end up this year. I think it's going to be yeah. um, you know pretty pretty. Uh, uh, the top eight at the moment is not going to be the top eight at the end. I wouldn't think. Um, so yeah, exciting. Thanks, John. Very very exciting, mate. Good to chat to you, and I'll chat to you all soon. Thank you very much for listening. See you guys. Bye.
If you constantly worry that the worst is going to happen, you're not alone. One in four Australians will experience anxiety. Know when anxiety is talking. Visit Beyond Blue to start a life beyond anxiety.